Today on Blue 58, one down, three to go. As the Packers begin their march to the playoffs, they kept their season alive with a win over the Rams. Here's how it all went down. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Something happened for the Packers against the Rams that I don't think has happened for them since week two. They pushed around an overmatched team. I think that was the last time we saw the Packers face a team that they were definitely superior to and just really control the game from start to finish. Some asterisks are going to apply, to be sure. The Rams are pretty bad. They didn't have Matthew Stafford. Baker Mayfield isn't that good, and he's only been there about two weeks anyway. They didn't have their best defensive player in Aaron Donald. They didn't have Cooper Cup. They didn't have most of their offensive line. But if you're the Packers, you need a win. And you can only beat the guys that you play. It doesn't matter at all to the Packers that the Rams didn't have some of their studs. That doesn't count in the standings at all. And so the Packers controlled this game. In week two, the Packers went down 7-3 to in the first quarter, but scored on the first play of the second quarter and never trailed again. This week, they go up 3 to nothing on their first drive. The Rams come back later in the quarter and tie it at 3-3. to Then the Packers go up 10-3, to and that's it. It was never closer than 10-6 to the rest of the way. And that's pretty darn good. It's hard to complain about that. There's really nothing to complain about. If you're the sort of person who doesn't want the Packers to win and wants them to tank for draft position because you don't think they're that good this year, or whatever sort of reason you may have, okay, it might be a little bit frustrating to you. I get that. There are different reasons that the Packers or that fans root for the Packers or different things that you want from a game. But I've said it on this show. I'm not going to root for the Packers to lose. Maybe that's the optimal way forward. I don't know. You only get so many of these seasons, though, with a even if he hasn't been an elite quarterback this year and elite quarterback generally Aaron Rodgers is only going to be around for so long you might as well try while you've got him and try is what they're going to do tonight they took their first step the rest of the way they still need three wins and a lot of help but tonight they got the win they handled the Rams they handled what was in front of them and they took care of business And that is something that we haven't, and I feel like we got to ram this home. That is something that hasn't happened for the Packers a lot this season. Really, I think the Bears game is the only other one where you can say that the Packers really took care of what they were supposed to do. The Buccaneers game is just weird. Injuries on both sides, both teams playing badly, 14-12, the final score. If you want to say the Packers took care of business in that one, okay, I'm not going to fart with you too much. The Patriots game, 27-24, the Packers win in overtime. No, (laughs) they got the win, sure, but Bailey Zappi made it much harder on them than it should have been. The Packers did not take care of business in that one. For the next month and a half, Packers didn't beat anybody. They finally get things done against the Cowboys. Okay, an upset win to be sure, but they they, they did play well. They played up to their potential. Put up 31 points in the Cowboys. Okay. And now here we have their win over the Rams, following the the win over the Bears, I guess, where they were trailing heading into the fourth quarter. The Packers played pretty well start to finish today. 
And if you're looking to build toward being a playoff team, this feels like a pretty good first step. We'll talk about some of the bumps in the road here in a second. But overall, hey, a win is a win. And they look pretty good doing it too. Talking about three good things. We always talk about as many good things as we can on the show. Here are three from the night. First and foremost, the running backs. A.J. Dillon continued his little hot streak that he's been on. Two touchdowns, 14 touches. Always was an asset whenever he had the ball in his hands. And he got a lot of tough yards for the Packers. Was pretty reliable through the air, both on checkdowns and on design passing plays. In fact, I think I would like to see more design stuff going to A.J. Dillon through the air. A lot of the the pony package runs, or, or the, the pony package passes, excuse me, will involve Dillon faking an inside run, and they swing the ball out to AJ Do- a, uh, Aaron Jones. I would like to see that flip now and then. Get A.J. Dillon on the outside in space, or, or run a screen-type play for him a little bit more often. I'd like to see it. But on the other end of the the running back spectrum, Aaron Jones flips seats with A.J. Dillon from a couple weeks ago. Today, Dillon goes down. Here comes Aaron Jones. 17 carries, 90 yards, 4 catches, 36 yards, the touchdowns. Great stuff. Aaron Jones is always going to give you everything he has week in and week out. He does it again on Monday Night Football against a, a pretty pretty decent Rams defense. I wouldn't say great, but he got some pretty tough yards. And running up the middle, a guy his size is, is always an adventure. He was carving up the middle of the Rams defense. Great to see. They were the straws that stirred the Packers' offensive drink tonight. Flipping over to defense, the number two good thing I want to talk about is sacks. A sack is almost always a good thing. The Packers picked up some cheap ones against the Rams, but still got them. And on their way, they got to five total. They had 24 sacks coming in, five tonight. Good stuff. Preston Smith got his first two-sack game since week two. That uh, that Bears game coming back again. J.J. Nigbari also gets in on the action. And Devontae Wyatt even gets half a sack. The first time he's had anything in the box score in that particular category. It's the first time this season he has had any part of a sack or tackle for loss. Not for lack of trying on his part. He's been pretty good when he's been on the field. They just refuse to put him out there for whatever reason. Finally, I want to get a little bit more philosophical for the third one. But I think looking back to our preview for this game, you've got to talk a little bit about the plan capital T, capital P. The plan was to have Romeo Dobbs, or I guess in in draft order, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, basically be your receiving core by this point. Alan Lazard mixed in there too. Randall Cobb mixed in there too. Hexham Sammy Watkins in there too, maybe down the stretch. But really it was going to be Watson and Dobbs by this point of the year. To that end, they release Sammy Watkins today. Alan Lazard is more of a supporting role. And it's Watson and Dobbs combining for nine catches and 91 yards, playing off each other very effectively. It was great to see. There were times tonight where they ran Christian Watson in such a way that he would set up Romeo Dobbs for a, for a catch. There was a late, I think it may even have been on the final drive, they motioned Christian Watson left to right across the formation. They got the defensive back on that side. I think it was Jalen Ramsey, but I'm not sure, to kind of widen out to take 
uh, Christian Watson, or at least prevent prevent him from getting wide on the defense. And it set up Romeo Dobbs perfectly for a, a great post route right in the middle of the field. Everybody was focused on Christian Watson, and there's Romeo Dobbs to make him pay. That's exactly what you have in mind when you put this receiving core together back months and months ago. It wasn't supposed to be December before they finally got it working together. That's football. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. But when you look at the plan, finally bearing some fruit, that's pretty exciting. Sure, Christian Watson didn't get the memo on that last one where where Aaron Rodgers tried to get him to to just look up and, you know, run a quick out or something instead of blocking like he he ended up and that ball falls harmlessly to the turf incomplete. Funnily enough, it happens on a hand signal, which if you've hung around like a degenerate in certain corners of Packers internet this week, has been a bit of a talking point. Sometimes life is poetry. That it worked out that way is kind of amusing. And hey, Christian Watson's still great. Would have loved to see him get into the end zone, but you can't have everything. That's not to say everything was perfect tonight. In terms of bad stuff, the defense left something to be desired. The run defense was porous, especially early on. The passing defense was especially bad on third downs. Just so bad. Not just the length either, but how they gave up some of those long third down conversions. Van Jefferson basically running uncontested down the field, sitting down in his zone, and Baker Mayfield finds him. Baker Mayfield, by the way, only threw for like 111 yards in this game. So those long third down completions were about the only plays Mayfield made all night. Thank you for that, Joe Barry and your soft zone defenses. Very good stuff. Second bad thing, and I don't want to focus too too much on the bad stuff because it's it's pretty minimal. Double-digit win, you're not going to have a lot of real negative stuff. But the Packers wasted a great night by Keyshawn Nixon. Rips off two big kickoff returns, and both of them went for nothing. One was taken back by a penalty. Another ended in a wasted possession by the Packers. Just goes by the boards. And finally, and this pains me to say, but Rasul Douglas's lateral was not a good idea. I am big time on team more laterals all the time. I think every NFL play that includes a lateral of some kind should be celebrated like the precious rare treasure that it is. That was not one that I feel comfortable celebrating because <laughs> it was poorly thought out and poorly executed, which is really all you can hope for from a lateral. They're inherently exciting. That one was not exciting for anything resembling a good reason. And it just so happens that Adrian Amos is Johnny on the spot, picks up the ball, save the pack, saves the Packers from an embarrassing turnover after the Rams just gifted them the ball. There should be more laterals, though. More laterals. More laterals all the time. Look how great of an, from an entertainment perspective, the end of the Patriots-Raiders game was. Stepping aside from the Packers just for a second, that's the sort of play that you always kind of know in the back of your head is theoretically possible, like a a Stanford band type play going horribly wrong and resulting in you losing the game rather than winning. It's like you know that it could happen. One of these laterals ends up in the wrong hands, but 
you're never really expecting it to. And most of the time, the team that's lateraling is trailing anyway. So if the other team gets the ball, they have no incentive to do anything with it anyway. But not on Sunday. We get the best possible set of weirdness happening. The Patriots deciding they want to play Keystone Cops all over the field. The ball ends up in Chandler Jones's hands, and then his hand ends up on Mac Jones's face on his way to the end zone. I mean, you've surely seen the play by now, but come on, how do we not talk about that? Was that in the back of Rasul Douglas's mind as he tries to lateral the ball back to God and Rasul Douglas only know who? But hey, we get to talk about it with a smile on our face. So what does it all mean? The Packers get the win. And that's really about the size of it. We know the Packers have to win out. We know that they need a lot of help. The help is going to, well, this sounds very silly to say it, but the help is either going to happen or not happen. Nothing the Packers can do is going to affect it any way at all. The Packers know what they have to do, though, and they got to keep winning. They won today. They're not dead yet. It's about it. They're not going to win the NFC North. They're not going to climb super high in the standings in the NFC. But they can still get into the playoffs. So keep winning. What happens next then? The Packers travel to Miami to open presents with the Dolphins on Christmas Day. The Dolphins lost to the Bills 32-29 this week in Buffalo. They are now 8 and 7 on the excuse me 8 and 6 on the year. Uh, they can score points and probably will on the Packers. Let's try to avoid a shootout if we can. That would be wonderful. Rookie watch. Quay Walker did have some bad moments today. Still seems to guess now and then, but statistically, I would have to say this is his best game of the year. Five tackles, all solo. Also, one sack, one quarterback hit, one tackle for loss, two passes defensed, and a forced fumble. Not too shabby. Devontae Wyatt, also in the stat sheet for once. Half a sack, not too bad. Christian Watson, pretty quiet by his recent standards, but they put Jalen Ramsey on him, which is a gesture of respect, if nothing else. It looked like the Packers were really trying to get him loose deep. I would like to see what we can come up with in terms of, you know, the film people out there, what the Packers were trying to do working down the field in that one, because it seemed like there was an inordinate number of plays in this game where Aaron Rodgers was either off play action or just a straight drop back, looking to go deep with the ball, holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it, and either running or checking it down. That seems out of character with what we've seen from the Packers' offense most of this year. They were, it seems, really trying to go deep in this one. And, you know, just watching on TV, we don't know what was going on downfield, but it seems like that was what the Packers were trying to do. Sean Ryan, of course, still suspended. Romeo Dobbs, five catches, 55 yards, his third highest yardage output of the year. Again, which is not too shabby. Zach Tom gets the start at left tackle. Of note in this one, he did kind of sort of give up a sack, but it was really because Aaron Rodgers just dropped back way, 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 way too far. So that Tom, in addition to not handling the power rush particularly well, just kind of got outflanked depth-wise. Not really his fault. Yes, he's still going to struggle with power rush from time to time. That is the book on Zach Tom. There's really not much he can do about that in December of his rookie year. How much strength and weight can you really add at this point in the season? It's going to be an off-season thing. 
that he's playing and not looking entirely out of place is enough of a win for me. I do want to note on Zach Tom, though, that, and this was new to me, I maybe I missed this at some point this season, but Joe Buck noted during the game that Zach Tom has playing, been playing some scout team center for the Packers this year. I'm encouraged by them trying to work him into that position. I think if you can't find a job for him on the, the far outside at left or right tackle, which may not be a great fit for him anyway, if he could be a center, that seems like a, a place where you might really have something in Zach Tom, because he clearly has the wherewithal to pick up a bunch of different positions on the offensive line. If he could just focus on one, I think I might like to have him at center. He's got pretty good size, pretty good length for an interior guy. We know he's athletic. That seems like a fit for me. Maybe the Packers finally live up to their threats and put Josh Myers at guard. We know that it's been a little bit of an adventure for him at times this year at center. Hasn't been his best year. So let's get a little bit crazy. Let's look at an offensive line of the future that features a left tackle. We don't know who that is. John Runyon back at left guard where he started the year. Sean Ryan at center. Not Sean Ryan. Uh, Zach Tom at center. Josh Myers at right guard. And maybe Elton Jenkins over at right tackle fully healthy, playing on the right side, playing tackle like he theoretically wants to play. Maybe he got something there. I like that offensive line from an athleticism standpoint. I like the size at guards, and I like the options you have at left tackle. You can play David Bakhtiari there. You can play Yash Nyman there. Shoot, if Yash Nyman, you want him to be a starter, start him at right tackle, then you got a lot of options at guard. You can put Elton at left guard next to Zach Tom at center. Then you've got competition at right guard between John Runyon and Josh Myers. Shoot, Packers like Myers as a guard. They've talked about that since they drafted him. Be open-minded to these sorts of things. Maybe you move some guys around. Let's theorize a little bit after a Monday night football win, keeping the Packers alive for the playoffs. J.J. Nigbari gets his third sack of the year. Also nearly had a pick on a screenplay. I wrote the word gorgeous down in my game notes for that one. Great read. Very, very smart play. I think the Packers have something in, in Inigbari. Tariq Carpenter was active but had no stats. Jonathan Ford inactive for this game. Still more of a state of mind than an actual player at this point. I want to see him. I want to see Jonathan Ford before the end of the year. That is my Packers-related Christmas list in addition to a new Packers hat and maybe a Packers t-shirt. If I can't get Jonathan Ford, I would be happy with just the hat and the shirt but I would also like to see Jonathan Ford on the football field. Rashid Walker was active but did not play. Samori uh, Ture was active and did play but had no snaps. That's the rookie rundown. Random thoughts and observations, then we'll let you get on with your Victory Tuesday. I do want to make a note about our ongoing charity drive. If you have submitted a donation, I appreciate it very much. If you haven't yet, please consider heading to thepowersweep.com via the link in your show description and you will find uh, information on how to donate. I have a small complaint. It's a very, very small complaint. And consider this not maybe so much a complaint as an encouragement. Several people who have written in describing their donations to me have said, I'm sorry for the small donation. I do not accept your apology. 
There is no such thing as a small donation. I don't care if you're religious or not. There's a scripture passage uh, from the New Testament that I think applies here. The Apostle Paul writing to uh, one of the churches on his uh, missionary journey um, schedule of travel, a place he'd been before. I think it's in Corinthians. Uh, he talks about raising support as a, as a missionary and asks that everybody give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not under compulsion, but, you know, feeling like you're giving in good conscience what you have decided in your heart to give. He's not going to beg. He's not going to try to strong arm you into donate, donating anything. He just wants, to give, wants you to give what is in your heart. And again, not making it a religious thing because these are not religious charities. That's not why I'm asking you to do this. All I'm asking is that if you are inclined to donate, just give whatever you feel good donating yourself. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't have to compare your dollar amount to anything at all. If you feel like you want to support one of these charities, give. That's it. I'm not going to judge what you give. I just want you to participate if you feel like you want to participate. And along those lines too, if you don't feel like you want to, just don't do it. I won't think any less of you. This is something we do for fun and for charities. And if that's something that you feel the need to support, great. I would love to have you. Give any amount that you feel comfortable giving. If you don't, that's fine too. Enjoy the holiday season. I won't think any less of you at all. But no, there are no small donations. Every dollar matters. And just give what you feel comfortable giving. That's all. Uniform matchup. The Packers, four out of four at home. Love that. Can't beat the home uniforms in the cold. I especially love seeing Jair Alexander in the long yellow sleeves. Just a great look. A little bit look at me? Absolutely. But I like that for him. Uh, the Rams, it's, it's a two out of four for me. I think their uniforms are a little bit less than the sum of their parts. Running it down. They've got good colors, the blue and the yellow. The white, great accent color for both of those together, but they have so many little weird things on their uniforms. The Rams name patch on the left side of their jerseys on the front. The shiny number outlining on the jerseys. Shoulder numbers not existing. The uniform just looks so corporate. The old school Rams uniforms had a lot of character, had a lot of history. These just looked like they were kind of designed saying, we're going to do a modern rebrand because a modern rebrand is what we want to do. Just doesn't work for me. Match up a one out of two. The colors look good. The clash in styles, not for me. Overall, seven out of 10, not too bad. Pretty good looking game. This was our first Joe Buck, Troy Aikman Monday night football game as Packers fans. Honestly, it felt kind of weird. They seemed pretty energized. They seemed a little bit more on top of things than they have in recent years on Fox, at least to me. Joe Buck in particular seemed a little bit looser. I think if there's a, a, a very legitimate criticism about Buck over the years is that he's been a little bit too pompous sounds more negative than I, I would like to try to go, but I I don't think there would be a lot of people who would necessarily disagree with that. A little, little uptight, maybe, put it that way. But he did seem a lot looser on this one, and I, and I like that for him because I think when broadcaster show personality in the booth, that's a good thing for them and for the viewers. He does seem to have a new crutch phrase. First down plus popped up a lot in this game. No complaints, just noting it. Also, that is weird for me to hear because as I am not the world's joke, biggest Joe Buck fan, I did hear my dad say that phrase a lot 
when we watched games together growing up. So it's trying to have that memory come up again and again because of something Joe Buck says. Hearing Joe Buck say something that my dad said all the time is is just a funny thing to hear and uh, a funny sort of thought to have as you're watching football. On the actual football field, Alan Lazard was in motion a ton tonight and all different kinds of stuff. We're used to seeing him motion from out wide to in tight uh, to block. The insert motion, I think, is what that, what that's called. But tonight he was coming across the formation, moving from inside to outside, doing a little bit of jet motion. He did a lot of it, and it was to the extent that it seemed unusual. It was unusual, especially seeing him do the jet motion, seeing him moving with speed at the snap. That's not something that really is what I would say is a strength to his game. But the Packers seem to have something, either a new wrinkle in their offense that they wanted to introduce or maybe a matchup they saw in the in the Rams defense that they thought they could take advantage of by getting Lazard in motion. It stood out tonight. Keyshawn Nixon, we mentioned it in passing, another big return game, two punt returns, 36 yards, three kickoff returns, 95 yards, a long of 52. It really feels like the directive to have um, – Amari Rodgers back there returning kicks and punts was probably not a coaching decision. I wonder if there was pressure from elsewhere in the organization there because it couldn't have been a mystery that Nixon was at least as good as they thought Amari Rodgers was, but actually, in reality, much better. Just no fear out there. I said kind of in jest to a couple of people I was watching the game with via text, Keyshawn Nixon is a great returner because he's not afraid to die. Like, he will just let it rip coming down the field on punt and kick returns. He doesn't care who's around the corner. He doesn't care who's on the other side of that block. He's hitting the hole full speed with a ball tucked safely away, Amari Rogers, and ready to go. And whatever is on the other side, he is prepared to accept it. One punt return, I think it was a punt return, may have been a kickoff return, but one punt returner, he did kind of come around the corner and get plastered pretty hard near the sideline, but he pops right back up and There's Keyshawn Nixon ready for another play. No fear at all. Maybe, in fact, a little too little fear. Because I think it was noteworthy that the Packers had Randall Cobb back to field one punt that they knew was going to end up near the end zone. Maybe the Packers are a little bit afraid of Keyshawn Nixon's lack of fear. Aaron Jones, in addition to his great game, did have a fumble tonight. That is his third fumble in the Packers' past sixth game. That would be his career-high fourth fumble of the season. However, it does not seem to have entirely have been his fault tonight because the refs let the play on which he fumbled go on quite long. It seemed to me the very definition of forward progress being stopped considering he had one guy lifting one of his legs actually off the ground, another one wrapped up about it, around his legs. He wasn't going anywhere. The ball gets ripped out well after the point it seemed when the play should be blown dead. I think it is noteworthy that this was his second fumble of the year on a fairly unusual play. The other fumble I'm thinking of came in week three against the Buccaneers. He ends up fumbling the ball into the end zone. The Buccaneers recover it for a touchback. But he fumbled on that play in part because he got hammered as soon as he caught the ball by enormous defensive tackle Vita Vea, who had dropped into coverage basically randomly, it seemed. And there he is to greet 185-pound Aaron Jones right at the goal line with a head of steam. You almost don't blame Aaron Jones for fumbling there. So two of his four 
fumbles this year have been in fairly unusual circumstances. It's why I enjoy doing stuff like this, because then you can go back and look at those box scores and say, yeah, he did fumble, but it was a little bit weird. On the positive side, Aaron Jones is now third all-time in Packers history in rushing yards. He passes John Brockington for third, one of just three players in Packers history, excuse me, four players now in Packers history to pass the 5,000-yard threshold in his career. He did that in the Packers last game, of course, broke 5,000 yards, but now third on the all-time list. Aaron Jones has the highest yards per carry average by far of any player in the upper end of the Packers rushing record books. According to Pro Football Reference, he is the only non-quarterback in Packers history with more than 1,000 career rushing yards who has also averaged more than five yards per carry. In fact, of the top 10 runners in Packers history, Jerry Ellis has the next highest yards per carry average at just 4.6 per carry. Coming into this game, Aaron Jones averaged 5.1 per carry. Very good player. Like we said after the Bears game. Not too bad for a fifth-round pick. And boy, what an easy guy to root for, Aaron Jones. Enjoy the Packers' win. I know, again, there are some people who want the Packers to go a certain way with the rest of their season. If you want to root for the Packers to lose or to do things that are going to position them for 2023, I understand. I can't be with you right there. Once the Packers are mathematically eliminated, whenever that comes, okay, that's a different conversation we can have. Here we go. They are trying their best to win out and get to the playoffs, and we'll see what happens from there. In that path to try to win out, they took their first step today. And they beat a team that they've had had a lot of fun beating over the last few years, too. Got the Rams once in the playoffs, beat them in probably their best game of the year last year. Three in a row. Not too shabby. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.